Oh, hey there, listener. Yep, had to fix the machine after the last fiasco. It seems, uh, Attila the Hun is about as friendly as you'd expect him to be. Anyways, uh, if we gyrate the, uh, discombobulator and... Yeah, hold on. Could someone get that? And if we refuel the, the flux compa- The flux capacitor, she should be purring in no time. Oh, that was weird. Anyways, uh... Oh, what's that? You, you want to take her for a spin now? Well, I'll be an uncle's monkey. Did you bring, uh, the high-grade uranium I asked for? You know? No? Oh, never mind. I got- I think I got some in my pocket. Hold on one second. Alright, alright, that should work. I'll catch you in the bath. To another episode of Rock and Roll Time Machine. I'm your host, Ryan Price. And today it's gonna be a femme fatale episode. We've got three ladies, all of them amazing, and uh, they got great stories. So, what am I doing? Let me tell you about it. Our first lady is Edith Wilson. Now, if you're an American, you might recognize that name, especially the last one. She was married to Woodrow Wilson. But before that, she was his confidant and personal assistant, all right? So she was helping him out, and later she revolutionized the role of first lady. After Edith Wilson, we'll take a trip to see Hedy Lamar. She was an actor, model, self-taught inventor. She actually helped the Allies develop the torpedo systems used on submarines. So that's pretty cool, right? And finally, Chinese pirate leader who terrorized the South China Sea. Her name was Zheng Yisao, and her story is after this music break. i 
just wanna hear you say my name Tell me that you need me, but don't play games Tell me when you realize you were wrong Tell me that you listen to all my songs Tell me that you want something better than this If I could see your face, babe, I'd give it a kiss But you won't really care, no, if I hit or miss Maybe there's a better way, but I don't wanna get away Fuck it, I'm a regular But I don't even like it
Once upon a time, in a country not so different from yours, lived a Wilson. But not the Woodrow Wilson you might be thinking of. No, no, no. Instead, this Wilson was known by a different name. Edith. Edith was very bright, and her husband often asked her for advice. Well, Edith wasn't just a pretty face. Why, this was the first lady. And when her country needed her, she would knit helmets for soldiers, write letters to them, abstain from using valuable supplies during wartime, and even decode enemy messages. Why, listener, she would give hope and happiness to countless folks from all different walks of life. So who was Edith Wilson? Edith was born on October 15th, 1872 in Virginia to circuit court judge William Halcombe and his wife Sarah Spears. Edith was also a descendant of the first settlers to arrive at the Virginia colony. Edith grew up within the confines of a sprawling extended family. In addition to eight surviving siblings, Edith's grandmother, aunts, and cousins also lived in the household. Edith had little formal education. She was taught how to read and write at home. Her grandmother, Anne Bowling, played a key role in her education. Crippled by a spinal cord injury, Grandmother Bowling was confined to bed. Edith had to wash her clothing, turn her in bed at night, and look after her 26 canaries. In turn, Grandmother Bowling taught Edith how to read, write, speak a hybrid language of French and English, make dresses, and instilled in her a tendency to make quick judgments and hold strong opinions, personality traits Edith would hold on to for the rest of her life. She was sent to finishing school at 15, but proved to be an undisciplined, ill-prepared student. She complained of the school's austerity. The food was poorly prepared, the rooms were cold, and the daily curriculum excessively difficult, intimidating, and too strict. She only lasted a term. Two years later, Edith went to a finishing school that she loved, and she was at her happiest. But her time there was cut short after the head teacher suffered a leg injury, concerned at the expense of her education. Her father refused to pay for additional schooling. Edith married her first husband, jeweler Norman Galt, in 1896 and had one child which died days after being born. The tough childbirth led Edith, unable to have any more children. Norman died unexpectedly at 43, leaving Edith a young widow. In 1915, she was introduced to the newly widowed President Woodrow Wilson. He was immediately taken by her. In an effort to charm Edith, he started sharing state secrets. After a brief, passionate courtship, the two became secretly engaged. But Wilson's political advisors felt that his remarriage, less than a year after the death of his first wife, would offend the American public and damage his re-election prospects. Despite this, they were married in December 1915. Edith became Wilson's confidant and personal assistant. She was familiar with pressing issues of the administration, including the war raging in Europe. 
not greatly interested in the traditional role of the First Lady, she hired a secretary to meet the demands of her limited social calendar. She then used the American Declaration of War in 1917 as an excuse to eliminate official entertaining altogether. Throughout the war, Edith set an example for economy and patriotism. Like other American housewives, she wore thrift clothing, observed rationing, and adopted meatless Mondays and Wheatless Wednesdays, instead of paying a gardening crew to maintain the White House lawn, Edith borrowed 20 sheep from a nearby farm and donated the wool to charitable auctions aiding the American cause. She knitted trench helmets, sewed pajamas, pillowcases, and blankets, responded to soldiers' mails, and volunteered with the Red Cross. Edith also helped the war effort by decoding military messages and giving advice to the president on his dealings with Congress. Wilson suffered a major stroke on October 2, 1919. Although the president was paralyzed and unable to carry out the duties of office, Edith insisted that he must not resign because she believed that losing office would kill him. This was the single most important decision she made during Wilson's illness. Edith concealed the severity of Wilson's condition from the cabinet and the press. Edith also screened the papers and issues that would be brought to Wilson's attention and reported the president's decisions to government officials. Until January 1920, Wilson had almost no contact with anyone outside his circle of family and doctors. Yet Edith never intended to usurp her husband's power, nor to become the first woman president. But in seeking to protect the man she loved, she did, in fact, take a major political role in excluding visitors and deciding which issues she would be presenting to Wilson. She made political decisions without meaning to. However, the political system made no provision for the disability of a president. Edith simply did what she felt was best. After President Wilson's term came to an end, Edith spent the next three years nursing him until his death in 1924. Edith lived until the age of 89 when she died of a congestive heart failure and was laid to rest next to Wilson. Sometimes they make you think that they love you and then they go and they love somebody else. I'm
Now it's time for your Edith Wilson facts. Fact number one. Edith could trace her ancestry to Virginia colonial aristocracy. She was a direct descendant of Pocahontas on her father's side by way of John Rolfe's grandchildren and was related by blood or through marriage to other U.S. presidents and their wives, including Thomas Jefferson, Martha Washington, and Letitia Tyler. Fact number two. Edith's management of President Wilson's political affairs during his illness led to her being described as America's first female president and first unelected president. Fact number three, Wilson proposed just three months after meeting Edith, indicating she was quite the charmer, yet some say they were having an affair before Wilson's first wife died. Quotes, quote number one, I studied every paper sent from the different secretaries or senators and tried to digest and present in tabloid form the things that, despite my vigilance, had to go to the president. I myself never made a single decision regarding the disposition of public affairs. The only decision that was mine was what was important and what was not, and the very important decisions of when to present matters to my husband. Quote number two, I had three brothers. Two died early, and one of them was living a good long time.
In the course of human history, few souls can claim the title Super Beautiful Actress, Model, and Mad Scientist. This prestigious title is reserved for the few and the finest. One of these women is Hedy Lamar. Beauty, truly, in the form of a bombshell. Her mind would sink any man's battleship. So, who was Hedy Lamar? Hedy Lamar was born the 9th of November, 1914, in Austria. Her father was a bank director and her mother a pianist. At an early age, Lamar began to associate invention with her father, who would take her out on walks, explaining how various technologies in society worked. Lamar acted in various Austrian, German, and Czech films in her early film career, including the controversial Ecstasy, in 1933, where she played the neglected young wife of an indifferent man. The film became both celebrated and notorious for showing Lamar's face in the throes of an orgasm, although her expression supposedly came about as a result of being poked with a pin. Controversially, for the time, Lamar was also briefly shown in nude scenes. At the age of 18, Lamar married 33-year-old Friedrich Mandel, who became obsessed with getting to know her. She was reportedly charmed by the fact he was the third wealthiest man in Austria. However, Lamar later described him as extremely controlling. He strongly objected to her having been filmed in the simulated orgasm scene in Ecstasy and prevented her from pursuing her acting career. She claimed she was kept a virtual prisoner in their remote castle home on the Czech border. In 1937, Lamar fled from Mandel, secretly moving to Paris and then to London, where she met Louis B. Mayer, head of MGM Film Studios. She initially turned down the offer he made of $125 a week, but booked herself onto the same New York-bound liner as mayor. During the trip, she impressed him enough to secure a $500 workweek contract. Mayer persuaded her to change her name from Hedwig Keisler. She chose the name Lamar in homage to the beautiful silent film star, Barbara Lamar. Mayer then began promoting Lamar as the world's most beautiful woman. Although Lamar had no formal training and was primarily self-taught, she worked in her spare time on various inventions, which included an improved traffic stoplight and a tablet that would dissolve in water and create a carbonated drink, although Lamar herself said it tasted like Alka-Seltzer and was reportedly unsuccessful. Among the few who knew of Lamar's innovations was aviation tycoon Howard Hughes, if you recall, Howard Hughes was an eccentric billionaire we met in the last episode who had four near-fatal plane crashes. Lamar suggested Howard should change his boxy design of his airplanes as she thought these looked too slow to a more streamlined shape based on pictures of the fastest birds and fish she could find. The couple dated for a brief period during which time Lamar says Howard actively supported her inventive tinkering hobbies. He put his team of scientists and engineers at her disposal 
disposal, saying they would do or make anything she asked for. At the beginning of World War II, Lamar contacted composer George Antheil to help her develop a radio guidance system using frequency hopping spread spectrum technology for Allied torpedoes, which were prone to being set off course due to becoming jammed. Although the U.S. Navy did not adopt Lamar and Antheil's invention until 1957, various spread spectrum techniques are incorporated into Bluetooth technology and are similar to methods used in legacy versions of Wi-Fi. Recognition of the value of their work resulted in the pair being posthumously inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2014. In the last decades of her life, Lamar became increasingly secluded from the world. She communicated only by telephone, even with her children and close friends. She often talked up to six or seven hours a day on the phone, but she spent hardly any time with anyone in person in her final years. Lamar died in 2000 of a disease and her ashes were spread in Vienna.
From the truth. Hello. I always look for something new. Head up in the skies and now I see. Always so surprised what's underneath. Had to pick your pride at what I need. But every time I try, I dig too deep. Raise it up to me, or raise it up to you. I hate to overthink it, but I guess it's what I do. I try to compromise, I try to live my truth. I try to stay in line, but I end up on the loose. Guess it happens for a reason, that's the way it be. I was steady cheesing, the joke was on me. Problems never leaving, I was on repeat. The water feeds the tree, yeah, to drown my seed. Always lost in my bullshit, find a problem and ghost it. I'm the number one culprit for losing all of my focus. About time that I cleaned up, bad habits gotta leave ya. But sometimes, always, sometimes, and sometimes, always teasing. Hey, got no time to waste, yet I do it every day. And before I get to work, I think I need to meditate. Got, got, got no time to waste, yet I do it every day. And before I get to work, I need to reevaluate and say, Hello, I think I'm running from the truth. Something new. Head up in the skies, and now I see. Always so surprised what's underneath. Had to pick your pride at what I need. But every time I try, I dig too deep. You only get it if you go for it. Only get it if you go for it. You only get it if you go for it. Only get it if you go for it. I believe that. You only get it if you go for it. Only get it if you go for it.
So now it's time for your Hedy Lamar facts. Fact number one, Lamar often spoke about herself in the third person. Fact number two, in 1938, while married to Jean Marquet, Lamar hid a pregnancy with actor John Loder. She gave birth secretly on June 9th, 1939. She then proceeded to adopt James Lamar Markey with Jean Markey in order to hide their child's illegitimacy. Lamar was estranged from her son from the time he was 12, and they did not speak for 50 years until James found out in 2001 that he was out of wedlock, son of Lamar and John Loder, although by this time, Lamar had already passed away. Fact number three. In 1997, Canadian company Wheelon signed an agreement with Lamar to acquire 49% of the marketing rights of her patented frequency hopping spread spectrum invention and a right of first refusal for the remaining 51% for 10 quarterly payments. This was the only financial compensation she received for an invention that would become relied upon around the world as a means of communication. However, Lamar became lifelong friends with the company's CEO. Quotes. Quote number one. Any girl can be glamorous. All you have to do is stand still and look stupid. Quote number two. I met the most interesting people while flying or on a boat. These methods of travel seem to attract the kind of people I want to be with. Quote number three. I know why most people never get rich. They put the money ahead of the job. If you think of the job, the money will automatically follow. This never fails.
Avast, ye landlubber, and ready yourself. It ain't smooth sailing through them South China seas. There be talk of a pirate lady, Jungy Sao. That's what they be calling her. Far more vicious than any Moby Dick. Yar, there be a pun intended in there. So set sail, lads, before we get our booty plunder. Arr. So who was Zheng Yi Sao? Born Shi Yang, aka Shi Shenggu, also known as Qing Shi, meaning wife of Qing. She was born in 1775 into poverty. Like many women of this time, at this level of society, Zheng Yi Sao was forced into prostitution at the age of 13 in order to support her family. She worked in one of Guangdong's floating brothels, also known as flower boats. Zheng Yi Sao was strikingly beautiful, graceful, and hospitable, qualities which attracted attention from several high-profile customers, including royal palace courtiers, army military commanders, and rich merchants. In 1801, Zheng Yi, a notorious pirate commander of the infamous Red Flag Fleet, encountered Zheng Yi Sao in the Cantonese port and was captivated by her beauty. After paying Zheng Yi Sao a visit, it is said that he expressed his feelings for her and asked for her hand in marriage. Shrewdly, Zheng Yi Sao told Zheng Li that she would only marry him if she was granted 50% share of his monetary gains and a partial control over his pirate fleet. Zheng agreed to the terms, although what happened next has been debated by historians. Zheng Yi Sao either agreed to the marriage or was abducted by Zheng Li's men and forced to marry him. Either way, the marriage would bode well for her. Under the joint command of Zheng Li and Zheng Yi Sao, the Red Flag Fleet grew rapidly from 200 ships at a time of their wedding to 1,800 ships in the next few months. In 1807, after six years of marriage, Zheng Yi was killed during a devastating storm off the coast of Vietnam. Zheng Yi Sao quickly took command of her husband's operations and sought the support of Zheng Yi's nephew and that of Zheng Bao, her husband's adopted son. Zheng Yi Sao effectively inherited her husband's informal command over the entire 80,000-strong pirate confederation while Zheng Bao became the official commander of the Red Flag Fleet. Although he was her adopted son by way of marriage to Zheng Yi, Zheng Yi Sao and Zheng Bao started a relationship shortly after Zheng Yi's death, leading some to speculate they had been having an affair for some time. 1809 was an eventful year for the Pirate Confederation under the command of Zheng Yi Sao. In March, a small group of pirates called for aid against the Chinese Imperialist Navy. Before the battle, Zheng Yi Sao took command of the Red Fleet. During the heat of the battle, she charged in with the bulk of the Red Flag Fleet and the White Flag Fleet, which defeated 
the imperialist navy. On July 21st, the navy dealt a major blow to the pirate confederation by killing Liang Bao and destroying the white flag fleet. But this didn't deter Zhang Yixiao, who ordered a vast raid which resulted in villages, settlements, and towns falling victim to the pirate confederation. In desperation, Chinese officials looked with renewed interest at the foreign barbarians hoping to obtain aid against Zheng Yixiao and the Pirate Confederation. The Portuguese and British were keen to help given the troubles they had suffered in the South China Sea. By the end of 1809, the tides were turning against Zheng Yixiao and the Pirate Confederation, and on April 10, 1810, Zheng Yixiao and Zheng Bao officially surrendered. They had 17,318 pirates, 226 ships, 1,315 cannons, and 2,798 assorted weapons. Zheng Yixiao surrendered with 24 ships, and 1,433 pirates under her personal command. Zheng Bao was awarded the rank of lieutenant and was allowed to retain a private fleet of 20 to 30 ships. Zheng Yixiao successfully obtained an annulment of Zheng Bao's adoption, allowing them to marry. Zheng Bao died aged 36. Zheng Yixiao lived the rest of her life in relative peace passing away in her sleep in 1844 at the age of 68. In her later years, she was the proprietor of an infamous gambling house somewhere around Guangdong. You know
Let's talk about your Zheng Yisao facts. Fact number one. It is said that Zheng Yisao implemented the following pirate code of conduct on board her vessels. Rule number one. Pirates who give unauthorized orders or those who refuse to follow orders were executed on the spot without a chance to justify themselves. All seized goods had to be presented for inspection. If any pirate was found hiding or underreporting goods, a part of their body was chopped off, depending on the scale of the crime. Female captives needed to be treated respectfully. Final rule. Infidelity and rape were treated as a serious offense. These offenders were immediately hanged. Fact number two. Zheng Yisao proved herself to be a capable military commander. An admiral was dispatched in 1808 to destroy her fleet, but she defeated him and captured 63 of his ships. Most of them joined the pirates. The admiral committed suicide. Zheng Yisao also defeated Portuguese, Dutch, and British fleets. When the town of San Shan sent a fleet against Zheng, she retaliated by invading the village and beheading all of its male inhabitants. What a lady. Fact number three. In her negotiations with the imperial Chinese government, Zheng Yisao struck a deal to disband her fleet and retire. In exchange, 126 of her pirates would be executed by the governor of Canton. Another 200 would be banished from China, and the remaining 18,000 would be pardoned. They would all be allowed to keep their money, and those who wished to be taken into the Imperial Army were allowed to do so. That's it for your facts and this show. Thank you for tuning in. 365 Music!
I'm there. 